podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. And welcome to the Now Open Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. I'm Trisha. And my name is Kai. And as you've noticed, we're missing another co-host yet again. But Jobim, uh, if you're here, you're not, but we miss you. <laughs> we miss you, Jobim. <laughs> and don't worry, everyone. He will be back next week. We hope. Just send your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> All right. But anyway, Kai, how was your weekend? My weekend was grand. I spent it just chilling to be honest. And, you know, like, I feel as though just rest time and just kicking it back and just not having to think of much that's on your plate, I feel it's really the best time ever for me. So it was grand. It was grand in the simplest way. How was yours? Uh, Well, I had a shoot for something really exciting And I think it's coming out this Saturday. So uh, that's really fun. And then I spent Sunday playing video games with Fresh and my girlfriend. Happy! What did you play? Uh, we played the sequel to the Dark Picture. Was it Dark Anthology? Dark Pictures? Whatever. Anyway, uh, it's called Little Hope, and it's this horror um, horror game. Horror game, yeah, it's fun. Nice. Uh, <laughs> did you do the sex homework over the weekend? I did do the sex homework. I did. I did try a new kink. Did you? Okay. So for everyone who's listening in just now, uh, last week we asked uh, each other, and I guess also all of you, to try out a new kink, which was our sex homework of last week. And Kai, why don't you tell us about how that went for you? Did you try a new kink, though? Yes, I did, and I'm really excited to talk about it. You go first if you're so excited. You should try it. You should go. Go, go. go. Okay. We were trying to brainstorm a kink we hadn't tried yet that we were interested in. And it was a little bit difficult, but then we realized there was one that we hadn't crossed off the list yet. Uh-huh. And it was orgasm control. So we oh, tried, yeah. yeah. So we tried to do that where, you know, you stop yourself from having an orgasm and then you like, you keep building it back up. And I don't know, mm-hmm. it really, really worked. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. So it's, it's basically edge play, right? Yeah, edge play. edge play. And I never realized I could do it, but I did it. I've tried edge play once with a guy, but then like I just got I just kept getting pissed off. Because like I love me, I'm I'm so close to it. And he'd be like, no. And I'm like, it would have been okay if like at one point he'd give it to me, but he never gave it to me. So I'm oh. like that's not fun. <laughs> He threw, me off, he threw me off the edge. Damn. <laughs> it kept going. Um, yeah, How was your kink exploration? Oh my God. So my kink exploration was something I thought was only possible in the straight world. But my partner and I tried it and it was pretty awesome. It's lesbian titty fucking. 
we tried lesbian city fucking. So you know how when when it comes to when it comes to men or like me, men with penises, the way I experienced this is like they would put the tits together and they just like put their dicks in between the tits. And that's how I thought it. That's how I thought it worked all this time. I never thought it was a possibility in the lesbian world until we tried it. And you know, I I fucked with it. I fucked with it. And like my partner's, my partner's like a good size size doy. So like her tit just fits in my mouth while she's in like my tit. So I'm like, I like it. Wow. I liked it. It was very. It was very new to me, and I I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, if any of our customers listening tried the sex homework, uh, one, we love you. Two, let us know what happened because we're all on this journey of self exploration together. Yay! <laughs> uh, on to better things. Uh, we are extremely proud to announce and to say that this episode was developed in partnership with Ilya. Ilya, come and play. If you are looking for a sex toy shop or website, which you won't be afraid of opening in public, visit www.shopilya.com. They have everything from dildos to couples toys to male masturbators to lube. Their entire selection is carefully curated so you know you're only getting the best of the best. Plus, Ilya often gives freebies like chocolates and stickers with purchases subject to availability. They deliver the next day and can even do same-day deliveries if you ask nicely. Ilya's packaging is totally discreet. No one will have a clue what's inside your package unless they have x-ray vision. So make sure to check out shopilya.com. Thank you to Ilya. And as everyone knows, we only promote brands here that we actually like. Uh, Most of my toys are from Ilya, I believe. And the lube I buy is from Ilya. (laughs) <laughs> my favorite, the, my favorite lube is from Ilya. Also, it's called Liquid. If you guys want to know, is that your my favorite? favorite. Lube? <laughs> oh my god, twinsies! But like, um, yeah, my very, my very first sex toy that I actually enjoyed for a very long time because I've I've tried so many toys, but then one of the toys that I really that really stuck with me, I got from Ilya. So you're very, for, for, at least from my experience, you're sure to get quality stuff from Ilya. Yeah, and what I really like about them is that they're super open to answering questions about sex if you have them. Um, Very much so. The store is very Um, Mm non-threatening. They have this Mm -hmm. story where somebody walked in uh, wanting to buy a charger because they thought it was uh, like an Apple-type store. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So yeah, make sure to check that out. Um, Now we want to go on to a a weekly segment we're trying out where we talk about current events and uh, latest happenings in the world of sex and stuff. Because, yeah, the conversations we have here don't happen in a vacuum. So we want to see how it really works out in the real world. So Exactly. uh, One news bit I want to talk about tonight. If you've been online at all, especially on Twitter, you will have seen this. So this headline is from The Sun. Shocking claims. I don't know why I chose the sun, but anyway. Army Hammer accused of discussing cannibalism and kinky sex acts in leaked DMs to women as he fights ex in divorce. So I'm not going to read any of these uh, messages that he sent. You can look it up if you want to. It's very, very graphic. So trigger warning um, and just other general warnings. But basically, he told a bunch of young women that he's a cannibal. He wants to eat them but like in a sexual way. Ooh. And this is Army Hammer, the star of Call Me By Your Name and The Social Network. Those are the only two movies I know of him. So it's really sparked this huge discussion online about like one kink, because I'm sure this is a kink. 
uh, I don't know the name of it, Vor. Uh, but anyway, it is a kink. But when does a kink go too far? Especially when you're right. Army Hammer, who's, uh, I guess, a Hollywood star. Right. I think that's also like, you know, Hollywood stars are so much more on the spotlight and everything they do is really like, nitpick you know but also what you're saying about like how how far is far when it comes to kink right? personally my standard is like as long as you're not hurting anyone like non-consensually and as long as you're not stepping on anyone then it's okay but then cannibalism does sound like you're hurting someone man yeah and like, i think especially that, because yeah. it sounds like a lot of the women didn't actually enjoy these advances uh they right. did because they wanted to talk to Army Hammer, Army Hammer, you know, so they felt like they probably had to put up with the ruse. Um, right. So it wasn't even. So I think that's really where the big issue is. It's not even about kink because this isn't kink anymore. If the other person feels pressured into it, right, right, and right. If you want to learn more about BDSM and consent and things, we have an episode um, on our Spotify, actually our very first episode on BDSM featuring the ever-amazing Domina Chase. So make sure you check that out if you can. And her pet, Patrick. Oh, yes, her pet's Patrick. (laughs) So, Kai, do you have a news bit for us today? I do have a news bit for y'all. So what I found this week was, okay, just the background. I have been so into these advice columns on different, like, news um, news sites. And I found this one called Dear Therapist. And in that segment... um, this sorry this that column this the the therapist talks about how this man wrote a letter about how he about whether or not he was right to divorce his dying wife and i wanted to talk about this because you know we're talking about fighting healthy we're talking about how you know conflict um can possibly lead to better things or bad things if if it doesn't go right so i want to talk about like how like was he right to divorce his dying wife and what the therapist basically says is that you know, a lot of the times when you have, um, when you hear of stories of, of of couples and one is terminally ill, and she was ill with like this 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 brain disease that like makes her like, Huntington Huntington's if I'm if I'm correct, and Huntington's disease, and like she was already like forgetting that this guy was her husband, and you know, as as the therapist was saying, one of the issues that comes that comes with these couples who have where one is terminally ill is that we always focus on the sick partner, but we don't really think about how the caregiver ha- needs has needs, well, emotional needs, physical needs that he couldn't um, fulfill anymore because of how he was taking care of his dying wife. So, you know, it was a very interesting um, piece of advice that the therapist said, nah, it's good to have like, to be able to talk about this with other people and to understand that he's not the only person going through this and that there are other people who are likewise going through the dilemma that he's going through. Like, cause he's seeing someone new and he wants to know if that's right. And it's quite like this, they have this polyamorous setup type of thing where it's like, he's seeing this new woman, but he's also still taking care of his ex-wife on the side. So it was a very interesting, like anecdote that I read. That is something people really don't talk about or discuss before they get married a lot. Um, mm. Not saying that they didn't, but it, it's a thing that happens. Like, chances are one of you will get sick or disabled. Mm-hmm. What now? Mm-hmm. Just an unfortunate reality. But I'm glad that they found something that kind of works. I mean, 
being so sick that you can't remember your husband is never going to be the ideal scenario. But with no. the circumstances they had, it sounds like they found an arrangement that right easier for everyone mm-hmm. at least a little mm-hmm. bit. So uh, that was the new stand for tonight. Um, it's just one of the new segments we're trying to develop for the show, and you know we're trying to develop more content and be more value adding. Wow, SEO. Uh, but <laughs> if, if you want to support us while we're doing this, we'd really appreciate it. We could really use it to, you know, expand the podcast and do more things here. So if you can kindly, please support us on at coffee.com slash now open pH. You can, um, buy us a single coffee or you can buy like a monthly subscription. And we're planning to add some new extra content for subscribers and other fun rewards. So make sure to check that out and support us, please. We could support really- us. Be your loyal customers, guys. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So this is the part of the podcast where I want to promote local creators, support local artists. So tonight's really exciting because we have an exclusive sneak peek at a new song by music duo CJ and Aaron. Yes, this is the first time that anyone's going to hear this audio teaser. So for everyone who doesn't know, CJ and Aaron are releasing a song and they're announcing the release date on January 22. Here's a clip of their upcoming release, Lihim. That was Lihim by CJ and Aaron. If you like that click, uh, make sure to check out their social media channels on January 22 for the release announcement. Uh, CJ and Aaron is also composed of two uh, independent artists who have their own music projects. So definitely follow them if you want to see more of their stuff. I left the stuff in the comments, so make sure to check that out. Ah, Okay, so before we go on to the discussion, do you know that part in rom-coms where there's this huge conflict between Mm -hmm. the two leads that could like honestly be solved by just sitting down for a couple of minutes and talking about it and explaining each other's sides, but instead they storm out and then there's a montage of them being super sad and alone for like a few weeks before they finally reunite and realize it was a misunderstanding? (laughs) <laughs> yes, and that that's exactly the selling point of rom-coms, isn't it? Um, easy drama. It's just like package it into something that seems as though like it's so unsolvable. It's going to break her. It's going to break us apart. But, you know, for some reason, they always figure it out some way in the end. And the thing is, I get it. It's fun to watch because you need drama and conflict in a story. But, you know, the problem is... For a lot of us, we don't really have good role models in our parental relationships. So we turn to mm-hmm. film and media to kind of learn how to act. So we, we end up emulating this style of like dramatic, unproductive way of fighting. So yes, that brings me to today's really, really important topic. How to fight in a healthy way. How not mm. to be drama rom-com leads. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Like, you know, I feel as though, like, as we talked about in an earlier episode um, on queer cinema, we talked about how film is a lens by which we view the world. And, you know, when media represents relationships 
as though like conflict is always something to be avoided because it breaks you apart. And it just gives you this bad idea of what, you know, like relationships should be because conflict could lead to something great if done healthily. Exactly. So before we go on to talk about the things that we need to talk about, I want to ask you a question. What is one of the worst fights you've ever had? Holy crap. Okay, bitch, let me get there. So I was, I have been through a slew of toxic relationships up until like, I mean, I'm with this this, this amazing woman now, but then back then, like, Jesus, there's this one guy we were we were screaming at each other in the car. I, I God for knows for what reason. I totally forgot what it was. But we had my we had we had a driver up front and it was both of us at the back and we were fighting about something. And we were at this like this road where the cars weren't moving fast, but it was like kind of like kind of it, it was picking up because there was like the green light just came on, right? The traffic was picking up and we were fighting in the car. And this is a two-lane street. And like before my fucking eyes, this guy in the middle of us, like scream each other, jumps out of the fucking car. Like he just jumps out, like opens the car door and jumps out of the car. And I'm like, holy crap. So of course I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like grabbing onto his shirt. Like, don't fucking die on me, man. Don't, 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 don't get run over right now. Shit. And like he so he jumps out of the car. And I'm thinking he'd like just storm off, but he comes back in the car and he's like, he's like, why'd you rip my shirt? And I'm like, ah. wow. Wow. The audacity. Your shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. That takes the cake for the worst fight I have ever been in. <laughs> what about you, Trisha? What's the worst fight you've been in? Um, well, I don't know about the worst, but what uh, what really comes to mind is this one argument I had with an ex where we were talking about music in a car. What is it with cars and really yeah, bad? The I, road, the road. So, I go. Right. So we were uh, talking about music in the car and we listened to this one song and I said, oh, the singer kind of sounds like this other singer or whatever. And then he just argued incessantly with me that it didn't. And I'm like, well, it does to me. Like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a major relationship issue. It was like, this is my opinion and that one's yours. And then like, he just kept pushing it and pushing it. And I was crying already. And I was like, we need to stop. This is ridiculous. I mean, I cry very easily. So it was really not that bad. But um, <laughs> you were crying over vocals. Yeah, exactly. Which by Literally, the way, is like- completely subjective. And then later he messages me to apologize because he asked, he did a friggin' survey and asked a bunch of people, do you think this song sounds like a singer? (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. And then he was like, I'm sorry. It appears that other people also kind of hear what you hear. So I'm like, did you really need other people's validation just to trust that what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing? It was just terrible. It was the stupidest bad fight I've ever been in. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. That is so fucking hilarious. But I'm so sorry you went through that. I am so sorry. Like, that must have been horrible just in the moment, just thinking like, why can't you just believe what I have to say about this fucking artist? Right. And we were on the yeah. way to some restaurant or something. So I had to swallow that and push that down in public. Right. After, right. Even oh, though we had just no. had, like, the worst fight. It was so bad. But that's in the past now. <laughs> so that's fine. There's really not too many similarities between our stories besides the fact that they both take place I'm in a car. car. Yeah. So 
Um, I want to ask, what are the signs of a toxic fight besides it happening in a car? For me, like, I think the biggest sign for me of toxic fights is keeping score. Like, it's like, okay, we're talking, we're, we're, we're arguing about one thing. And then you're like, okay, you're doing this, but you also did this, 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 and this in the past, you know, like keeping score of like, or for example, you talk about like, cause there's a difference between not putting in the work that you have talked about, that you've, you, you've discussed and slipping up from time to time. You know, yeah. like they're like they're and like if it's a consistent if it's consistently like an issue that we've talked about this like we've talked about for example like closing the toilet cover or something like that I don't know it's not something mundane and they continuously not do it even though you've talked about it that's an issue but then if you see that there's there's effort and there's like an effort to try then I get it but I feel like going back to what I was saying like I think that once something is solved you leave it at the door. Cause it's been, yeah. you know, cause you, you don't bring back past shit because it's done. You know, like, why do you, why do you bring that back up? Unless yeah. there's something you haven't talked about. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Cause if you're keeping score, you're basically saying that there's like a tangible measurement of your contributions to the relationship of how much work one person is putting in versus the other. Right. And right. Like, relationships really aren't about like report cards, you know, it isn't about yeah. how well you do something, but people make mistakes, people slip, progress isn't linear. So keeping score really is just super unproductive. And as you were saying, bringing up past issues that have nothing to do with the topic Current at hand, issue. because yeah. like when you do that, you end up like fighting in circles about literally everything and then nothing gets solved because it's just problem right. after problem. Right. I agree with that. What about for you? What are the signs of a toxic relationship, of toxic fight? Um, well, I'm going to say one toxic trait I used to have and may still be fighting is stonewalling. Uh, stonewalling is when like you kind of shut down and you give one word replies. You're not very respond. You're not, you're not responsive at all. You're just, you've checked out of the conversation basically. So this is a problem I have. Uh, I tend to shut down childhood trauma. Let's go. Obviously, very unproductive in in fights because if one person shuts down, and it's no longer a conversation; it's one way street, right? And you're not like working together anymore. Exactly. Mm-mm. So, what other toxic traits do you know of that happens in fights or that comes out in fights? I think guilt tripping, guilt tripping your partner is a toxic, a trait of a toxic fight. You know, like. Mm. Um, you know, one thing I've learned from you, like through my past relationships, and you've always, you always tell me is that it's not you and your partner against each other. It's always about you and your partner working as a team. I, I picked that up from you. And I'm very thankful that you thought you told me that way back when. And I feel as though that was my toxic trait back in the, back with my, with my past relationships. And it would it would really just be like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I do this and this and this, and then you don't do anything for me. I, that, that was how I used to fight. And, you know, I feel as though when you try to make, like, the, the, the point of conversing and talking about the issues you have is to solve them, not in order to make the person feel worse about what they've done. Because if you just want to make them feel worse, then like, 
you can't learn by making someone feel worse. Or you can't you can't learn when you feel like shit. You know? You can't yeah. learn you can't learn a solution. You can't be solution oriented when you're constantly being told you fucked up, you're fucked up, you're fucked up, you know. So, Absolutely. It's yeah. very counterproductive to put your partner on the defense like that but, and, and breaking them down basically by telling them that they can't do anything right. That is that is super toxic. Mm-hmm. We have a comment here from, I wonder who this is, Presh. <laughs> Who's Presh? So she says, for me, a sign of a toxic fight is when you are listening to reply and not listening to understand. I agree yeah. with that. This is very true because a lot of us, when you fight, you're on the defense. You want to protect yourself. You have your fight or flight activated. So when someone's talking to you and telling you how you messed up, sometimes you listen just so you can explain your behavior, just so you can be like, oh, but it wasn't like that. Right, right, right. But then the other person's just like, no, but it was like that for me. And it it, it creates that wall between the two people because one person or both people are not listening to each other. Because how can you solve a problem if you can't listen even and understand what's going on? Definitely. I get that. We have another comment here from Mackie. Lack of emotional regulation skill. (laughs) Being able to let go for a moment. Do what you need to calm down so you can come to a resolution. That's right. Fights are emotional. We have Mm -hmm. to admit. You know, um, it's two people's feelings on the line and they're in conflict. But that, you know, if, if you need to take a break because the emotions are getting too heated, then it, that's so much better than exploding and yelling yes. at your partner or, or manipulating them because you're upset. Right, right, right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like in line with emotional regulation, I think another toxic aspect of these fights is when you shout or say awful things to your partner, that's a sign of emotional dysregulation. If I may say the opposite of what Mackie was saying, like, you know, when you are so flooded by anger and when you're so flooded by all these negative feelings that you just all you want to do is lash out and there's no control over the things you're saying. And, you know, the thing is, words hurt. Words can really hurt. And when you say things you feel, when you say things you can't take back, like calling the the other person names, calling the other person things that. Or, or saying things that it might feel real in the moment, but you realize later on this just was really just something out of anger. Exactly. Like if you're extremely emotional at the time, sometimes you can say things or do things that you can't ever take back. You may apologize for them and you may try to make up for them, but you can never unsay them. So the other right. person is always going to have that in their head and it's going to make them wonder, is this really what they think of me? Uh, you know, is this who I am? Because this is what came out when they were angry. So yeah, that's another really, really toxic uh, thing, not being able to regulate your emotions properly and not knowing when to step out. One thing I always noticed, and it was an issue with my past relationship, was there was always just threatening to break up. You know, there was always that feeling that, this fight will break us, you know? Like, instead of being productive, instead of trying to, like, think of ways to solve the issue, you're really just, like, everything just adds up. And at the end of it all, you're so overwhelmed. And you're like, maybe we should just break up. Maybe we should just break up. And, you know, it's just, it's not a good sign. Yeah, because I think that's almost, like, on the edge of, if not, emotional manipulation. Because now it makes the other person scared to have conflict and bring up fights, uh, bring up, 
attention because they think that if they do it, it might lead to a complete change of their relationship. That instability, that uncertainty is not something that should be present in a healthy relationship. Not at all. Yeah, you're right. What about you, Trisha? What else? Well, we have a comment here from Isabella. She says, when you attack the person, it's not the problem. So yeah, if you are only talking about how much the other person sucks and that they're unreliable, then you're talking about the person and then you're not trying to solve what's really in front of you. When it's a personal attack, when you're like, as I said earlier, when you're calling the person names and you're telling the person that when you're basically making the problem the person instead of working with the person on the problem. Because I feel it happens a lot in like these toxic fights where it's like there's an issue at hand, but that issue at hand tends to spiral down into like focusing into personalan and like kind of just getting into like bad shit being thrown at each other and not at the problem. Yeah. But I also think that there's like another toxic trick that's possible where you Mm -hmm. only focus on the problem and then not the solution. So. Right, You only talk about how it hurts you and how it's a terrible thing to do or how this is a, a source of conflict, but you don't actually come up with any solutions. So basically, right, right, right. Yeah. So you're just fighting. And then, voila, there's no action plan. So how do you know that this fight won't happen again in the future? Basically, if you don't resolve anything, like, what's the point? If they... Parang, we're, 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 we're arguing right now because there's something we don't agree on. And thus, we have to find a point of agreement or a point of compromise where we can both be happy, you know? And as I said in the past episode, meeting in the middle doesn't necessarily mean 50-50. Sometimes certain non-negotiables will make you, for example, in this certain issue, I'm willing to give 70 percent of my effort whereas if you could only if, I, if you have if, if you could only give 30 i'll meet you at 30 you know i realized with like with certain things and certain issues your partner or you will have different points in the middle where both of you can somehow find a place to meet but not necessarily 50 50 all the time yeah that's true because while it's a give and take there are because we're all different we all have different needs and stuff then each person has their own boundaries, uh, what they are willing to compromise with. And of course, you have to take into account their personality, what they're capable of. And that's different for everyone. So each issue is going to be completely unique. And one might involve partner A giving a little more. One might involve partner B giving a little more. But it's really toxic if, for example, one partner keeps giving in. Because like the other person's like always right or the other person refuses to compromise. So the other right. person is left to take it in, you know, being like, okay, yeah, um, I'll agree to whatever just so we can stop fighting. That's also right. extremely, extremely toxic because if you just say yes to things because then it means you're really not committed to actually following through on that plan. And that means the issue is going to keep coming up again in the future. Right. Yeah. So another toxic trait uh, I want to bring up is kind of in line with that, where like partners don't, one person or the other doesn't want to take accountability for their role in the issue. Right. So of course there are times when like one partner really is 100% in the wrong and the other person did not do anything to deserve it. And that does happen. But like 
I think maybe 80 or 90% of fights are about issues where both people are kind of right and both people are kind of wrong, or maybe they're both right and nobody's wrong. Right. And that that's a tough conversation because if nobody's wrong, how do you come to a solution, especially if one person refuses to take any role in what happened? Yes. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, you know, one thing I realized in, in like with what you're saying right now is that when you're the person in the wrong, it's good to acknowledge what you've done and then come up with a compromise with your partner. And whereas when you're the, when you're the person in the right, I feel though, as though you have to have this sense of openness to allow them to acknowledge what they, where they've gone wrong. Because sometimes, you know, I feel as though there's always this, like, especially when the, when the right person is like going at it and they're really like, blah, 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 blah. You've done this, you've done this, you've done this. It puts the other on the defensive and it's harder to to cultivate, like, as I said, like a safe space for everyone to kind of acknowledge where they went right or wrong and kind of come up with a, with a compromise. So I think like one of the, one of the important aspects is really to cultivate a safe space for this, for, for, for arguments. When you run to social media or to your friends instead of your partner, which I have done in the past and, you know, I don't regret it because I learned from it. But, you know, I think there's a, there's a difference. There's a difference between like not telling anyone anything because of how toxic the relationship is and how you've been singled out by your partner versus being more comfortable talking about your issue with other people than your partner. Yeah, there's a really, really big line because if you can only talk to your friends about it and not talk to your partner about it, again, nothing gets solved because the person who's involved um, is not hearing your your point of view. It's other people. Right, right. And, and if you keep doing that, because I've done this, I kept complaining about a certain person to a friend and at some point they had to sit me down and be like, okay, we're never talking about this topic ever again because right. you never listen to my advice and you're always sad and it's just hurting our friendship. <laughs> so right. it's also hard on your friends when you dump on them like that. And it's also harmful for your actual relationship. Plus, right. if you do it on social media or to friends who know your partner, you've just destroyed your partner in front of the people who are supposed to support you and your relationship. So mm. now they might end up exactly. hating your partner, which exactly. happened to me as well. <laughs> I told my friend too much about my relationship problems, and at the end, like I think he hates my my partner more than my ex more than I do. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, I super get that. Like you know, I've I've been that person where it was like I just felt nah. It was so much easier to talk to my friends about these things. So I tell them literally everything. And the first, you know, I realized like it's easier to talk like. What you saw about with the sitcoms, where the dramatic shit is easier to talk about than like peaceful, calm, non-dramatic shit. Like it's easier to talk about like shit that's gone down versus shit that's just chill and calm and just whatever, you know? And I feel as though like back when my relationships were just in total turmoil and my friends were just sitting around listening to me like just talk about all the shit that I was just spewing about my partner. Like it really does, it really does put y- y- your partner in a very bad light first and foremost, and second, it drains your friends, and third, it pagpaulit ulit na yon. Like it kind of shows that there's a lot of work that everyone in like what well, that you have internal work that you might have to do as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned, kung paulit ulit yung fights, like not only does it 
uh, hurt your friends when you talk about it excessively. But that means that you and your partner aren't resolving anything. And having the same fight over and over again is a really, really huge sign that the relationship is toxic and that the way that you fight is toxic because it's, it's a broken clock and it's really hard to, to find a way out of that loop. Mm -hmm. Truly, truly. And I think one more thing that I, I'm working on until one thing I'm really working on right now that I feel is a toxic aspect of fights is apologizing even when you're not the one at fault. I say sorry a lot, like a lot. And I have friends like Mackie, shout out to you, who always call me out on like saying sorry for no reason. And like, you know, it seems harmless at first where it's like, oh yeah, sorry, whatever. But it does show a lot about like how um, how you would put the blame on yourself for um, for a lot of things. When, as you said earlier, Trisha, now sometimes the issue is not all on you. Sometimes the issue is a both of us problem. Sometimes it's a them problem. It's not always about just you, right? So I think apologizing when you're not always at fault is also a toxic um, aspect of these fights. Absolutely. And uh, before we go on to the mid-episode segment, I want to talk about one more potentially toxic, not potentially, actually toxic trait, is if you physically harm your partner or objects around them during your fight. So if you punch a wall in front of them, um, if you grab them too hard, these are all acts of physical violence and are really, really big red flag and you should probably get out of that relationship um, even though it's going to be tough because no matter how intense and heated the fight gets there's absolutely zero excuse for physical violence you cannot get your words across if you're using your fists instead of your words exactly so yeah we take a hard stance against physical violence here i hope that's not a controversial opinion anywhere uh but uh, coming up later in the episode, we're going to talk about, now that we've talked about the toxic signs of relationships, we're going to talk about why it's important to fight healthy and what you can do to improve how you fight in your relationship. But before that, uh, I want to go to a new weekly segment that we're doing called Ask Now Open. Ask Now Open is a segment where we invite everyone to send us anonymous confessions or letters. We can give you advice if you need it. Basically, just drop us a line and we'll read out uh, what you write us on Ask Now Open. So today we have a question I got from a Twitter DM. It says, a few months ago, my boyfriend and I agreed to be sexually open where we could sleep with other women. Uh, The writer, by the way, is also a female. However, joining poly groups, I understood that this is frowned upon and I'm worried we're doing something wrong. I don't have the same sexual appetite as my boyfriend and I've come to realize that I don't mind him sleeping with other women as long as my needs in bed are being met. I was wondering if this made sense. So basically what she's talking about, um, a one penis policy, as we call it in uh, non-monogamous circles, where normally a heterosexual couple uh, agrees to be open, but they can only sleep with women. So the man can sleep with women and then the woman can sleep with women, but the woman cannot sleep with men. So how do you feel about this uh, writer's problem, Kai? Um, hmm. 
Well, that's it's it, it smells of male ego. I'm kidding, but um, seriously though, like I, if if you're okay with it, then it should be okay. I mean, you know, like at the end of the day, everyone's gonna have shit to say about like your relationship. Like, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, like everyone's gonna have shit to say. Every good shit, bad shit, everyone will have shit to say about literally everyone. But you know, at the end of the day, like I think what matters is what both of you want. And if that's what you want, and if that's what he wants, and you're both clear and fine and good with that agreement, go for it. It's your relationship. Do what the fuck you want, deba. Right? But like you know, I get how I get how it does. Like, I mean, personally, in my personal opinion, I don't like that setup for my life, in my relationships, because I don't understand why the one penis policy has to even happen. Like, it just, it really just stenches of male ego to me. Where it's like, I can't have another dick in the room because I'm the mighty dick. You know what I mean? (laughs) The the, mighty dick. Yeah, like, uh, what? Like, fuck off, bitch. Like, so many dicks in the world. Let me try it too. So, you know, that's just that's just me though. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And if you're okay with it, go. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I'm I'm personally also against the one penis policy. I think it also is not homophobic, but it's definitely it it definitely doesn't put hom- uh, homosexual relations between women uh, at the same level as mm. heterosexual relations because it's like, oh, it's okay if you sleep with only other women but not men because it's different. In reality, it isn't different. Uh, you can still develop very intense sexual and emotional connections with people that you sleep with even if they're of the same sex. So I personally don't like it and I often think it stems from a really like insecure place Your in place. the part of the man. But she did mention that She's totally okay with it. Her libido isn't that high compared to her boyfriend. So whatever. And uh, I saw a tweet by Shakira Sison that said something about how relationships don't have rules. All they have are agreements. Exactly. So so there's no rule, even if poly circles don't like one penis policy as a general blanket ideology or whatever. But it's your relationship. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be in it. So if it's something you agreed on and you are a hundred percent on board on, and it's something that you have zero problem with, don't let anybody tell you different. Exactly. Even us. Yeah. Don't listen to us. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. So again, that was another weekly segment we're going to be trying out on the podcast. If you like that and our other segments and the show itself, please please support us on coffee.com slash nowopenph. That's coffee.com slash nowopenph. So you can subscribe, you can drop us a coffee and get fun bonuses in return. Yay! And uh, if you want to see more of us outside of the podcast, we hang out a few times a week on the Discord channel. Our producer will be leaving a comment uh, with the link so everyone can join. Just, you know, we pop in every so often. You can talk to us, ask questions. Uh, Yeah, just hang out with us throughout the week because we only do this once a week and we wish we could do it more, but we're busy. Busy people. <laughs> and if you're also busy, uh, maybe you've missed some of the episodes we've had on here. Uh, in that case, make sure to check out our videos on Facebook or on YouTube. But you can also listen to the podcast on 
podcast platforms like Spotify. So if you want to listen back on the episodes, if you missed something, or if you just want to relive our uh, awful conversations, then make sure to check out our Spotify. Okay, so uh, we're going to go on break real quick so we can rest our vocal cords for the next half of the episode. But we want to do it in a way that supports local artists. So great transition. Uh, we have another exclusive sneak peek from Lily on the River, a Filipino indie folk duo formed by women-loving women artist couple Pixie Labrador and Erin Lee. Can you imagine making music with your girlfriend? That would be amazing. Anyway, <laughs> here is the first look at Unhappy Serenity, their upcoming release. The release date is going to be announced on January 22. So here it is, Unhappy Serenity. Wrapped up in this unhappy serenity Killing us right in between Of letting go our meant to be Awesome! I think Erin is actually watching. Uh, she popped Hi, in earlier. <laughs> All right. So if you like that, again, the release date is going to be announced on Lily on the River social media channels on January 22. I've added the uh, handles and links and such in the comments. So make sure to catch that release because we love them here. And I'm sure y'all love them too. Kai. Yes, love. So today we are talking about how to fight in a healthy way. Uh, mm -hmm. Earlier in the show, we talked about the different signs that the way you fight might be toxic. But mm -hmm. we're not going to end there. We need to talk about how we're going to fix it and right. why is it important in the first place. So mm -hmm. what to you is like a good benefit of fighting in a healthy way? Why is it so important? For me, it's because fights are or rather disagreements, could really lead to better things. Like, it shows you where you're lacking. It shows you where your partner's lacking. And if you fight healthily, you can find a way to find solutions. You can find a way to move forward and possibly build a stronger relationship because of now everything, like, you've put things out on the table. You see what the issues are. Now you have potential to solve them. And that, that I think, is the biggest benefit of fighting healthy actually knowing having having clarity on what the issue is and finding solutions to what the issues are what about for yeah. you well i think a really big thing we need to point out is that even though fights are hard it's really essential to have disagreements maybe not fights disagreements in your relationship because it's inevitable people fight mm -hmm. you know, maybe you have a bad day or maybe it's like some you clash on a particular thing because mm -hmm. people relationships even though they're a couple they're individuals right and individuals have their own wants needs boundaries so that often comes in conflict with another person right like you and your partner are a little bit different then maybe you know, there's a lot of differences there that can cause uh, tension in your relationship. So it's inevitable. Right. So if it's going to happen, you know, you might as well prepare for it. You might as well do it in such a way that, you know, it's not going to cause a breakup. It's not going to be the end of the world. Because right. at the end of the day, fighting does increase love and trust and communication. It 
Definitely. It makes you feel closer to your partner, especially if you solve it. Because it's like, it reminds you once again that, hey, we're a team. We attacked this great and we're working on it. Right. And you know, like one of my rule of thumbs is rules of thumb is that, you know, the tougher the conversation, the more important it is to have. And the th- and, and and for you to have those tough conversations, you have to know how to fight in such a or have those conversations in such a way that you can express yourself safely and be, be, be receptive to what your partner says also. Now that we know it's important to fight healthy, I want to ask, what have you done to grow from, we were all pieces of shits at some point. So what have you done mm-hmm. to grow from being a little piece of shit into the communicator that you are today? How have you improved your fighting strategy? I got to know myself first. Like I had to know where I was really fucking up. Because, you know, it's easy to it's easy to say shit to other people and be like, you're fucked up here, you're fucked up there. But like to, to really hold the mirror up to your face and be like, okay, shit, I was a toxic person there. Or shit, this is where I could have been better. You know, like to understand that like this is where I fell short. It's what I got to work on. Like I feel like it starts with yourself first and understanding like what can I work on with myself with me just understanding myself first. And then after figuring that out, and figuring it out isn't a one-time thing where it's like, okay, I'm fucked up here. I already know. It's a process of you really, it's a continual process of you figuring out like, shit, dude, like I'm, I guess I'm, I'm shitty at saying what I have to say, or I guess I'm shitty at communicating what I have to say, you know, like understanding what, where you fall short and constantly and making a conscious effort to work on those shortcomings, I feel is what helped me improve my fighting strategy. What about you, Trisha? I think the thing that really changed my perspective on how I fight is like looking at my partner, like it's basically giving my partner the chance to make me happier and giving my partner the chance to have a happier relationship in turn. So it's kind of like a kindness to yourself and to the other person to have disagreements because you're not sitting there stewing in resentment not bringing up the thing you want to bring up and, and you know, you're working towards solutions to make mm-hmm. it better instead of just staying in the status quo, which you're obviously unhappy with. So for me, it's just, yeah, reframing it as an opportunity to make things better. That's really helped me. And it's kind mm-hmm. of guided everything I do. So I'll ask myself, is this going to bring me one step closer to my goal, which is reconciliation and resolution? Or is it going to take me farther from that goal if I say or do this thing? Right. You know, it might feel good in the moment to lash out and you know be a bitch. But at the end of the day, will I get what I want by doing this? Because it's counterproductive to be a little bitch. Because you're 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 fighting your own happiness for me. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. So, what are some of the tips we got for our listeners, our customers today, to improve the, how they fight with other people, especially their partner? What is your number one tip? My number one tip is scheduling your fights. It, it sounds so weird, but then like, this is what super helped me and my partner where it was like every single week and we have not missed anything since like we started. Nah, we always talk about like what we're thankful for in the week. And then we talk about like, what could we have done better in our relationship this week? And then we talk about that. We find compromise. Like recently 
like we borrowed from BDSM because I'm a very um, stringent person when it comes to planning. When it comes to my time, I'm very like, it needs to be polido. Whereas my partner is very easygoing and she's very like happy-go-lucky and she's she's very free-flowing with time. And it really like irks me when, it irked me when like the plans would change all, all of a sudden. So we talked about it at one of our weekly check-ins and what we, our compromise was to use the stoplight system that BDSM people use where it's like, if it's red, then the plans are canceled. If it's orange, then the plans could still change. If it's green, then plans are not changing. It's a go. And it's, and we've been using it the past, like since we've talked about it. And it's been really helpful. So yeah, scheduling your fights, I feel, because it gives you that space to really just be like, okay, it doesn't, there's no uncertainty to when can I bring this up? I'm too scared now, or I'm too scared. I'm, I, I, I might, the, when's the right time? When you schedule the right time to fight, it's like, okay, there's already time set aside, so this is already the right time to talk about all the shit you have to say. And to say it in such a way that you're not trying to attack someone, but rather trying to say it in such a way that you want to really express what you feel in a way that is healthy and kind. As yeah. I think. It's very, very essential very yeah. schedule fights. Because like it allows yeah. you space to gather your thoughts, calm down so that you're not like freaking out and panicking and angry during the actual fight. You know, you've managed to distance yourself a little bit from your emotions mm-hmm, and look mm-hmm. at it from like a more relaxed like lens. So mm-hmm. that's really important because you don't want to get again too emotional in a fight that you end up lashing out or exploding on your partner. But I think it's also important to schedule fights because we're adults and we have crazy ass schedules. Maybe somebody has a big presentation or you know, they need to get up early for work. We need to kind of still give time to the to the fight because it's important. So by scheduling it, you're saying it's important and I'm going to put away time for this, but also making sure that it doesn't get in the way of everything else. And because that's very regulated, yeah. Like, the worst thing that you can do is bring up a fight like right before like a big deadline or something, you know? Right. Because the other person's irritable and they're you know, they don't have enough time and they won't give you the attention you need and the energy that you need to to really listen and to have a good fight. So right. yeah, that's your number one tip. Schedule your fights. I agree. That's also my number one tip. Uh, I guess my number two tip or a really important tip is that before you schedule your fights, before you even have fights, ideally this takes place in like the dating stage as you're getting to know each other. You talk about how you both fight so that you know what kind of communication styles to expect. Mm-hmm. And then you can also like set rules or agreements on how to fight. For example, mm-hmm. when we fight, we do this, we do this, we do this. And then you can just leave me alone for like a couple of hours so I can calm down. You know, having these rules in place before you fight makes it actually easier when you do. So you're not figuring stuff out in the moment. You already know how to go about it. That does make sense. That does make sense. Like just saying like what you can or can't do and really sticking by it as I feel very helpful. Um, I think what else? Another another thing I feel that improved my fighting strategy was um, what's this? Sleeping on it or just taking taking a step back. Not, but I'm, you know, I hate, I don't want to hate, but I used to believe that like never sleep, never sleep while you're angry at your partner. You know, I used to believe that like so hard. That I tried to finish. I, I tried to resolve a fight right before I go to bed, and I wouldn't get any shut eye because I'm so fucking pissed, and nothing got resolved anyway. So I'm like, ah. 
And I realized, like, you know, taking a step back and be like, okay, I need space right now. Not man, like, 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 be like, get away from you. But then, like, I need time to think. Like, be clear about the fact that I need time to think and breathe and to just recollect my thoughts so I can come back to this more rational and not so emotionally charged, you know? So, yeah, like, sometimes sleeping on it works. Sometimes just taking a step back for, like, an hour and be like, I'll come back to you in a bit. Just let me breathe and recalibrate my thoughts. Then we can talk again. Yeah, I think it's very important to communicate that. So the difference between that and stonewalling is that stonewalling, you don't say anything. You just shut down. You don't let your right. partner know about what's going on in your head or the fact that right. you need space. Like, it's okay to take space, but you just have to communicate it. You know, I mm-hmm. need this. It's better right. for the, the fight and the relationship. Right. So how should people actually fight, like, during the fight? Because you talked about how, you know, they should do it like before the fight. But in the, in the moment, what are some of the important things to keep in mind? The important things to keep in mind, always be solution-oriented. As I think, like, the, the worthy mindset. The, it, like, I re, I, I'm so thankful you told me that way back when because, like, it really helped me now. You're not trying to go against your partner at this. You're together in this situation trying to solve the issue together. So being parang, being in a mindset where, okay, what I have to do right now is to get to a solution. So it's not about complaining. It's not about demanding. See, the thing is when you demand something, it's like you are trying, you are trying to grab that. You're trying to grab something from your partner. Whereas when you request something, it's about, allowing your partner to give it to you. So you give them the choice and the agency to give you what you're requesting. And that's what a healthy fight is about. It's about voluntarily giving what you feel you should give to get to a solution. And also, it's also about like, oh, it's make realistic promises. Don't promise, I'm never going to hurt you. Or we're never going to fight again. You know, like promise things that you know are tangible and are reachable for you at the moment so yes being solution oriented being a team yeah because i'm never gonna hurt you again isn't a solution um it doesn't say how you're going to solve the problem it's just an empty promise that no one can ever keep you're gonna hurt your partner multiple times in your relationship that's just how things work Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. if you're that close to someone you know exactly how to hurt them and sometimes you do (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you're always in close contact with them especially Well, we have an interesting comment here from Presh. She says, I agree with Kyle, although I am always so solution-oriented that I often forget to give my partner a time and space to open up first before everything. That is right. Because how can you solve a problem if you don't talk about the problem first? Sometimes you need to vent first or explain what's going on before they jump right into solutions. Definitely. Definitely. Like You have to feel heard before you can like even come up with a solution first. Because if you're not even hearing the problem, how can you come up with a solution? Yeah. And a great way to feel heard is by taking turns while you're arguing. Mm, Yes. Very commonly, arguments are like a shouting back and forth. Like one person interrupts the other because they want to get their word in and like be like, no, not like that. That's not what happened. It wasn't like you're interpreting it all wrong. So that tends to happen because like they refuse to listen to each other. So... I've done this before where I literally had a timer so that we could talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, okay, you get five minutes, I get five minutes, and then we come together for a solution, you know? 
it allows each person to fully explain what's going on so the other person can understand where they're coming from. Because at the end of the day, that's how you come up with solutions. You have to understand what the other person's going through. Right. And you know, why they did something or why they reacted a certain way. Right. And in line with that, it's a very important to ask questions and not ask questions in such a way that you're trying to ask questions that are it's more like you ask questions with the intention of being curious with the intention of trying to understand like what exactly did you mean by this when you said this to me because I didn't appreciate it or what what actually like what what, what happened on your and how do you see the situation because I see it this way so you know always having the mindset of trying to understand, be curious, trying to empathize and understand like, okay, my partner sees it this way, I see it this way. We might have different realities, but we can come up with a solution for this because you were asking questions and you were being curious so you both understand where you're both coming from. Yeah, because before you even fight about the issue, sometimes you need to get the facts straight. So like the fact of like, oh, this is how I interpreted the events. This is how I felt about it. What are your facts? You know, and once you have the facts, you can move on. I think one way that you can confirm that you have all the facts right is that when um, you're responding to your partner after they say something is you kind of repeat back what they say. You rephrase it in your own words and how you understood it. Kind of like, okay, so what I'm hearing is that you feel unloved, you feel unheard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because I do this. Is that correct? So right. you kind of you rephrase what they say in your own understanding. And then if it's like, oh, no, no, that's not correct. This is actually how I feel. Blah, blah, blah. That way you can get all of the facts out of the way and not argue on the little details, Mm-mm. you know, that, that come up during fights. And more about like in, in terms of like little details, I feel like little in the little details, especially when it's so emotionally heat that it's so easy for other issues to come into the situation. Like... You know, when you're talking about little details, it you tend to, I mean, at least a lot of the times, it tends to spiral into other things that have happened in the past. So I think it's important to keep in mind that when you're when you're fighting about one issue, stick to that issue. It's important to just keep keep the keep the argument at what you're talking about at the moment, because what matters right now is what happened in the moment. And if you have another issue that you want to talk about that is not relevant to the issue at hand, you can always schedule another fight, schedule another another, um, discussion on that issue. But it's always important to stick to the issue at hand because you don't want to make this one big snowball and make it roll over your partner and just ruin what possibly could be something great. You're right. The devil really is in the details. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of how bad fighting goes down is because of neglecting these details. So even small things like the language that you use mm-hmm. can really make or break the outcome of your fight. So when you're when you're angry and emotionally heated, sometimes you tend to say things that, you know, are hurtful or kind of attack your partner. One thing that really, really grates my gears is the use of like, you always do this, you never do this. That is like literally impossible. You can't always or never do something. You know, it's very likely that it happens maybe too frequently, but it's not always or never. And the moment you say you always or you never, you put the other person on the defense where they're like, no, I don't. 
No, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. sometimes, but not always. And again, you're fighting Definitely. about the facts. So just just try to erase you always, you never from your vocabulary. Right, right, right. It's very important to use I language to say that you, I feel this, I think this. It's a, it's a way to soften your approach and it ensures that your partner doesn't go on the defensive. More than that, you, you, you phrase it in such a way now, you say, I think we should do this. I think we should um, do this instead of that. Also, it's very important not to be passive aggressive. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Yeah, because like you can easily turn an I feel or I think statement into something that's very passive aggressive. Well, right. it's like, well, I just feel like you're very obnoxious. Like that's still an I feel statement technically. Right. Right. But not at its essence, because it really should be about you. Because you can't speak about the other person. No. You can't tell them who they are. You know, all you can do is speak your truth. And your truth is how what they did made you feel. So it's like Oh, I feel unloved when you arrive late to our date. Exactly. Those are both facts. The other person arrives late to the date and the other person feels bad about it. There's, It's just factual across the board rather than, right. I feel like you don't care about me because you're always late. So you're already making an assumption there. Right. And a lot of the times fights like go down this hole, this rabbit hole of assumptions. Like you're assuming yes. what the other pe- person means. And what the other person feels. But you can't. Right. So just talk about your truth. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I think a really another really important thing is that you kind of have to give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Even if it's tough. Even if you hate them in this moment. It's really important to give them the benefit of the doubt that they love you and that they're your partner. And, you know, nobody's perfect. No, everyone has flaws And you're dating this person because you love them, flaws and all, including the parts that are sometimes annoying. If you Mm -hmm. think about it, at the start of your relationship, these were the exact same things that you probably loved about this person, but now it's annoying you or hurting. So just remember that you accept this person for who they are as they are now. Like you're not in here to change them because again, you can't change anyone's behavior. You can only change your own like reaction to it or your own behavior. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that brings me, I guess, to like the next tip, which is because you can't change anyone's behavior, I think it's always really helpful to look at fights from a perspective of what can I do to make this situation better? Exactly, exactly. And in terms of thinking of what you could do in terms of the relationship, it's important to attack not just the issue, but the root of the issue. And this brings me to this one one thing I learned a, a few weeks ago where it was like, for example, in terms of procrastinating, when you procrastinate, you don't. it's not because you're lazy, but it's because you're avoiding the emotion that comes with the work that you're about to do. You're procrastinating because this work feels overwhelming. You're procrastinating because like, this work is so hard. So you have to find ways to... You have to attack the emotion that is attached to the, 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 the work in such a way that how can I make this more manageable? And the same thing goes with the, with, with the problems, with the issues that you encounter in relationships. You know, it maybe the issue is like, you're always late and I feel bad. If the, if the issue is always, you're always late, what is the, wh- wh- why, why is the person always late? And why do you feel bad? Address what, what the issue makes you feel and not just the issue. 
Yeah, because um, you you also want to care about the person's emotions, not just right. straight solutions. You know, you want to. If you can't help being late, for example, and you can't solve that for whatever reason because of traffic or you just have a really hard time telling time, then you can maybe address the the emotion behind it. For example, I feel unloved by going about it in other ways. So it's okay. I I don't know if I can fix this particular thing, but how about let's try something else. Let's like if when this happens, I can treat you to a nice dinner, blah, blah, blah. Basically, you're still addressing the emotion, even if you can't tackle the problem head on for whatever reason. If you're still struggling with uh, controlling your emotions and having like these big fights, then one thing I can recommend is that you actually practice with smaller fights. Mm. Like, I mean, like don't start a fight for no reason, but you know, try practicing your fighting skills on small conflict, like. For example, where to eat. Low stakes issues, basically. Mm-hmm. Where to eat, where to go. Well, you can't really go anywhere right now. But, you know, just small things like that. If you can practice it in smaller fights where it's like probably less emotion, lower stakes, then you'll build up that fighting skill and you'll be able to pull it out when you're having a big fight. So, yeah, practice with with small fights is uh, one of the last tips we'll be giving tonight. Uh, right. because this has already been a really information-packed episode. Yes, it has been. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Uh, I just want to ask Kai, what are your final takeaways for today? Fighting healthy can lead to a better relationship. Be Always be social solution-oriented and always use eye language there. I guess my major takeaway is that fights are inevitably going to happen and you're going to fuck shit up at mm-hmm. one point or another. No relationship is perfect. So do what you can to prepare even before that happens. You know, you set rules for your arguments. Talk about how you communicate. Like really hash out um, what kind of fighters you are so that you know what to expect when it actually does happen. Yeah, you'll build up the skills that you need if you prep beforehand. And you'll come out much stronger. It's hard work. It's really hard. (laughs) It's something I struggle with constantly and have been struggling with my entire life. Because again, we don't have great role models. My parents fought all the time and taught me to repress my emotions. So a lot of us are unlearning these unhealthy fighting habits we learned as children. So keep at it. You will fail a lot. You will keep hurting your partner a lot. But what's important is that you're trying your best. All right. So uh, before we close the episode, I want to do another segment. So earlier we talked about the sex assignment that we did next uh, last week. So we're assigning a new assignment, not just for the hosts, but I hope everyone else can participate as well. So next week's assignment, if you can do it, uh, we'd love to hear how it works out. Read an erotic story and see if you can get off on it. So a lot of people watch porn, but not a lot of people read porn. So just try it out. See if the literary word so works down for you. That. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear which story you you jerk off to. I know. <laughs> I am too. I want to see. What, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to what yours is going to be. Oh, I, mean, I don't you, know. You read a lot. So. Yeah, I spent my entire childhood like reading erotic stories because I thought it would like save me from the age limit or age restriction of porn. Uh, 
For everyone who do, who uh, don't know where to find good quality erotica, uh, I suggest looking at literotica.com. They have a bunch of user submissions. So it's a hit or miss on quality, but there's just so many stories. You're bound to find one that works for you. So let us know next week how that works out. You as well, Kai. <laughs> All right, Kai. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote? Nothing, just my social media pages. That's XOXCAI on Twitter and Instagram. What about you, Trisha? All right, I want to promote my Twitter. That's at Trisha O'Bannon. And of course, uh, we're going to promote Now Opens, other social media channels. So you're on Facebook right now. Don't need to promote that. But if you're listening in on a different podcast platform, we're on Facebook as Now Open PH. That's facebook.com slash Now Open PH. Same handle on Twitter, twitter.com slash Now Open PH. Make sure to follow us for updates on our episodes and new content. And if you want extra content, you can support us at coffee.com slash nowopenph. Please, we really, really appreciate it. It will help keep the podcast running and help us create more content for y'all. If you want to talk to us throughout the week, we have a Discord channel. We left the link in the comments. Just whatever. Just talk to us if you have any questions about sex, sex education, reproductive health, whatever. We are there. You can even talk about video games and we can play together if you catch me on a free day. Uh, lastly, if you want to catch our past episodes, you can find them on Facebook, YouTube, and our Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify as Now Open PH. I, before we close, I just want to thank our sponsor, our partner for this episode. This episode was developed in partnership with Ilya. Again, if you need quality sex toys without any of the ick factor, go to shopilya.com. Now, I'm really excited to announce next uh, week's episode. So we're going to start with an early love month celebration with next week's episode can you really stay friends with your ex? And this episode is going to be led by the lovely Kai, who has a lot of insight to share, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you're interested in knowing if you can stay friends with your ex, so if you're interested in knowing if you can stay friends with your ex, make sure to tune into next week's episode. Same time, same place. That's 9 p.m. Facebook Live. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us on tonight's episode of Now Open, fighting for a healthier relationship. See Let's you go. when we next open. See you guys.